0: Just a few verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I've entitled this message, Fixing Our Eyes. You know how important it is to fix your eyes on something greater than we see around us? You know how important it is to keep a big picture in mind rather than a a, a small temporal thing? Sometimes we get so concerned about what's happening in one country... On one planet, in one period of time, that we just forget about eternity. We forget about the kingdom of God. We forget that in everything that we're going through, God is working in our hearts and working in our lives. And he is conforming us to his son, Jesus. Someone once told me, uh, this is years ago, I've never forgotten it. I think it's very true. Uh, How you see is what you see. Now think about that for a minute. How you see is what you see. If you see through a world of hurt and pain and disappointment, you're going to see that. If you are like Eeyore and everything you see is through this lens of doom and gloom, you're going to walk around depressed all the time. That's why as Christians, Paul is telling us we need to fix our eyes. Our lens needs to be set so that we can be people of hope. We can be people of peace. We can be people of joy. Let me show you a a graphic here. And uh, depending on how you fix your eyes, what do you see? Some of you might see a duck some of you might see a rabbit. Maybe you can see both, depending on how you focus your eyes. It's very clear it's a rabbit to me until I look at the duck's bill, and then obviously it's a duck. Focus is important, and I'm telling you, in 2021, particularly in the American church, we need to have our focus on Jesus. Now, when I was a little kid, and and maybe you experienced the same thing, my mom always told me not to sit too close to the television. Back away, Jerry. Yeah, but it's Popeye. It's my favorite. I love Popeye the Sailor Man. That was my favorite. Back away from the TV, you're going to hurt your eyes. Did you have a mom that told you to back away from the TV because it would hurt your eyes? Well, it's interesting because... uh, Mom was probably right. Your mom was probably right. Researchers today say, not because of TV, but because we all use screens. You've got an iPad, you've got a phone, you've got a computer. We have become this generation of of screen users. And because of that, particularly if your job involves staring at a computer all day long, you know that sometimes uh, words get a little blurry. Your head gets a little foggy, you're blinking less, you're squinting but you don't realize it, pretty soon you become less efficient because you've gazed at that screen. Experts tell us that a simple solution is what they call the 2020 20 rule. And maybe some of you have used that. I know many businesses promote that, the 2020 20 rule. 20 rule, if your job involves uh, looking at something close up all the time, maybe a computer screen, maybe something else, every 20 minutes, you should take 20 seconds to focus on something that's at least 20 feet away. Every 20 minutes, take 20 seconds to refocus your eyes on something 20 feet away, it kind of resets your vision it kind of reboots your brain and your 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 ability to really focus again at the work at hand and i believe there's a correlating spiritual principle here that would serve us well particularly right now and it would be our advantage to uh to listen what paul says Because when we keep our eyes focused on that which is in the distance, the second coming of Christ, riding back on that white horse that Revelation talks about, that he will rule and reign, the justice will prevail. When we keep our eyes focused on that which is in the distance, it helps us, friends, day to day with our focus on what's really close to us. Because we can't ignore our culture. We can't ignore what's happening in our country. But if we look up, (laughs) it'll help us have a better focus on what's happening around us. Let's read what Paul says to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 16. I'm reading uh, today out of the New Living Translation. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they're not going to last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. That's the close focus. Rather, we gaze, we fix our gaze. Our focus is those things that cannot be seen. Those are the promises that we have of God. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, in the next few minutes, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith the promises we have as disciples of Christ, on the big picture of the kingdom of God, so that we might have a reset and be able to see our temporary struggles, all the issues that are critical of our day, may they be clearer and in better focus because we've taken our time to look up to where our redemption comes. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul uses a play on words here. In English, uh, he says, we fix our eyes. And of course, we know what that means, to fix our eyes. It means that we're focusing. Fixing our eyes means to focus on certain things. But you could also say that when we look where we should be looking, we are, in fact, fixing our eyes. If you're watching all the junk from TV that is doing nothing and getting you agitated, maybe your eyes need to be fixed. (laughs) And you fix your eyes by focusing on something else. I think it's just so cool how the Holy Spirit laid on Suzanne's heart that scripture today. Out of Revelation, it helps us see a bigger picture, doesn't it? The Christ is coming again victoriously. We need to fix our eyes daily. We need to make our vision of what's happening around us clearer. And it's just like that 20-20-20 rule for those employees that have been staring too long at the computer screen. You look away, and it clears up a little bit of the blurriness. So for Christ followers, we need to fix our eyes exclusively on what's good, we fix our eyes, we repair, we improve our spiritual vision. And when our long distance vision is good, when we understand the back of the book, we win, amen? When we understand that the justice will prevail, the good guys will get their reward, the bad guys will get what's due to them, When we understand that, the challenges that we face, the disappointments because our candidates don't get elected or because things don't go the way that we think, the frustrations that we have. Man, we all have frustrations. We have problems. But we're able to navigate and effectively tend to those things if we'll look up. That's why Paul says, don't look at the temporary troubles Look up once in a while and see that Jesus is with you. Jesus is doing his work in not only our hearts, but in our world today. So I want to talk about fixing our eyes, focusing our eyes today on things that should really matter. And if we do that, I think we can go back to the very first of our reading Paul says in verse number 16, never give up. If we focus our eyes, it'll help us not to get up, not to give up, not to be discouraged, not to become weary in doing well, but realizing there will be a harvest of righteousness. So today, three things. It's on the back of your program. You can go to wfa.church go to live stream and under notes, you can find all this as well. Uh, Three unseen, these are unseen, yet they're eternal priorities that I'm saying we as a congregation need to be fixing our eyes upon, okay? If we do, we won't lose heart. When the storms of life are raging, we're gonna stay strong, we're gonna finish. Three things, and the first is so obvious, (laughs) we fix our eyes on jesus he's the author of our faith even before he went to the cross he was part of that redemptive plan he's the author he's the perfecter he's the finisher of our faith this is really obvious isn't it that our focus needs to be on jesus it's like when you're in sunday school you know, and you're not paying attention, and the teacher, you know, asks you, well, Johnny, what's the answer to that question? You know, 85% of the time, if you say Jesus, you'll be right. You know, (laughs) even if you didn't hear the question. (laughs) And that's the way it is, I think. but That should always be our first answer, Jesus. (laughs) We often want to focus on other things, whether it's doctrine, dogma differences uh, ideologies uh, politics uh, climate change whatever it is we want to focus on those things because those are the things that we're going through right now I'm not going to deny that we're we're walking through this current moment you can't avoid them you can't put your head in the sand and say well this really isn't happening because it is happening but if we can remember where our long-term focus needs to be, it'll help us deal with those temporary things that we're, we're dealing with. And, man, I, I saw a post the other day on Facebook, and the guy says, tell me all the reasons that I shouldn't live in the state of Washington. <laughs> oh, and so they were saying, oh, this and this. Oh, I shouldn't live here because of this and this. And, this. and I'm thinking, I wonder what would have happened if he re- would have rephrased that. Tell me all the reasons to live in the great state of Washington. Let me tell you about the majestic Mount Rainier. Let me tell you about the Icicle River. Uh, Let me tell you about all the good people who live in the Wenatchee community. Let me tell you about the apples. Let me tell you about the wheat harvest. Uh, On and on. I don't know why the focus always has to be on the negative. Friends, the Bible's telling us if we look away from our problems, if we focus on Jesus, we'll be able to see our current situation with a new clarity. Now, maybe the circumstances won't change, but you'll see it with a new clarity. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews, we don't know for sure who that is. A lot of people think it's Paul. But whoever he was, wrote about how Moses was courageous in his leadership as he led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Hebrews 11.27, He persevered, Moses persevered. Why? Because he saw him who was invisible. I think you and I need to start seeing him who is invisible more than we do all the other things around us. Just a few verses later, in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And what the verses leading up to the text I read today, we see Paul emphasizes that in, uh, in verses 5 and 4. The idea that Jesus is above all. He is the King of Kings. There's no one higher than Jesus. Verse 5 says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Verse 14 says, Because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to himself. Praise the Lord those promises, when our problems loom large, I just want to emphasize we need to step back for a moment. We need to have our focus on Jesus. Focus on ministry. Focus on the good things that are happening. Focus on his death and resurrection. Focus on his life as a teacher, a healer, his life as a carpenter. Man, how he built relationships even in that context. Focus on the eternal life that he's promised us. I have been promised by his word. I will be resurrected someday. He's the author, he's the finisher of our faith. Yet sometimes, as Christians, sometimes even as a church, man, we we focus on everything except his presence. That's wrong there's ever a time that we need to refocus, that's one of the reasons we're starting a weekly prayer meeting. That's one of the reasons we are beginning in a couple weeks a new men's Bible study. That's why we're doing things. It's to help us to refocus on the things that really matter. When I was a kid, one of the songs that we sang often was Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I love the fact that Lauren Daigle, I, I love Lauren Daigle anyway, I just love her voice, I love her, her, her faith, her testimony. She recently redid that song. Oh, it reminds us every day. I just played it actually this morning again on my, on my phone. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Paul says, I'm not going to lose heart because I'm going to stay focused on what's eternal. And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you. I know it's tough. We're living in a tough society in a tough time. But don't lose heart. You don't have to lose heart if you will fix your eyes on that which is eternal. On Jesus. The second thing I see here is that we need to fix our eyes on those that we are called to serve. Think about that for a moment. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus and then on those that we are called to serve. If you go back to verse number one of that chapter... Paul says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, or your translation might say this ministry, New Living says new way, but there's also a footnote to clarify what the new way is. The new way is a minister. All of us are called to be ministers of the gospel. I might have the office of a pastor, but every one of us is a minister. God, in his mercy, has given you and me a ministry. And because of that, we should never give up. We have work to do. And Paul says, because we have other people to serve, simply doesn't allow us any room to lose heart. I want you to know when Paul says we have this ministry, he's not talking about an organization organization. He's not talking about, you know, first assembly of God in Jerusalem, you know. He's not talking about building a ministry empire. There was no ministry headquarters or no marketing team. Come on, there was no administrative staff or they weren't promoting products like we tend to. Paul's ministry here was not organizational. You know what it was? People. And that is still our ministry today. We are called to serve people. Not ourselves. That's why he says I, we don't preach about ourselves. Instead, our focus is on other people. Man, every now and then I see churches and other ministries become all about the church and the ministry. They preach to themselves, so to speak. You know? And friends, the church never saved anyone. Only Jesus can save. That's why we need to focus on Him. This building, as beautiful as it is, as much as we appreciate it, this is not the church. This is the building that the church meets in. I think most of us understand that you and I are the church of Jesus Christ. The building exists for us, it's a tool. We don't exist for a building. The building is built so that we have a tool to effectively what? Serve other people. It goes back to where our focus needs to be. That's the work that God has called us to do. Involves serving other people. And the ultimate pass and fail in our work or our ministry is not what we accumulate in our cash reserves what our end of the year report looks like, but in the hearts that we reach and the lives that we help change. That's really the bottom line. Paul went so far as to say he was willing to endure hardship. Now that's a tough message in this day and age. For a pastor to say, we are to endure hardship so that we can serve other people, that doesn't Doesn't get a lot of amens. But that's what the Bible says. We're called to serve people. And he talks about the hardships they're facing, which is far beyond what we're facing. In fact, verse 12 says we live in the face of death. Wow. There are parts of our world where brothers and sisters Do live in the face of death. The United States is not one of those places. But notice what it says We live in the face of death. Why? It's resulted in eternal life for you. Where is Paul's focus there? It's not on himself, it's not on his hardship, it's not on his facing death, it's not his persecution. It's not, it's all about other people. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and then we have to remember we are called as a church to serve others. They're not here to serve us. We're here to serve them. Verse 15 says, um, it's, it's all for your benefit. And that's so opposite of what so many church people are saying today. Their message is, it's all about us. It's all about us. No, it's not. Biblically, that's not our call. Our call is it's all about them, the hurting, the lost. And I'm not just talking about those people in Africa or those people in Germany or the Philippines. I'm talking about people here in the Wenatchee Valley. That's our mission field. And, of course, not all are fully aware of maybe how our service is helping them. It's like when you pray for people, they don't don't know the spiritual effect that prayer has on them. But some of you have prayed for loved ones for years, maybe even decades, and then seen them come into relationship with Christ. That's not a coincidence. It's the harvest of the fruit of your labor of prayer and intercession. See, our efforts to serve people might not even be appreciated. Now, we all love appreciation. But friends, let me me say something. We're not working for other people's appreciation. The Bible says we're working for their benefit. How can we serve our community for their benefit? Not their appreciation. Not for affirmation. See, Peter really got this wrong. His frustration, of course, we don't understand what it was like to live in biblical days under the oppression of the Roman government. We don't understand how difficult that was when Jesus said, if a Roman soldier makes you cancel all your plans to carry his backpack, you carry it twice as far as he wants you to. Man, I don't get that. We can't understand that. But I know it had to be frustrating for him. I remember, Peter was so frustrated. Well, it was the Roman government, what was going on, what did he do? He pulled his sword and he chopped off the Roman soldier's ear. And there's people today that are so frustrated with our culture, our society, what's happening. They're reaching out in, in those types of ways, aggressive ways. But notice again, Jesus at that moment, was more concerned about the Roman soldier than he was his disciples living under Roman oppression. And he heals this Roman soldier. And he says to Peter, oh no, you got it wrong. We're here to serve them. You know, probably no one understands that as best as those of us that have been parents. See, so many of our children do not grasp the significance of the many sacrifices that you moms make for them, you dads make for their benefit. It's incredible. I see some of the younger families in our church, and many of them both working. Yet yet still making the sacrifices to be with their kids, to be at ball games, sacrificing sleep, sacrificing their own recreation or social needs for their kids. And the kids don't understand that at the point. And maybe never will. But those parents aren't serving those kids for appreciation. They're they're not doing it for a pat on the back. They're serving their kids to benefit and enrich their lives. And I think that's a, a really good illustration of how we need to be serving others. And that's why Paul said, not here in this letter, but in his letter to Timothy, you can look it up. 2 Timothy, and I encourage you, always make sure that I'm, I'm playing straight with the word. Really, look it up. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain salvation, that is, in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's Paul knowing the elect or the Jews, yet he is called to the Gentiles. Yet he says, I will still endure everything for the sake of this group of people, who are not accepting me, who are not accepting my message, who are making my life miserable, but I'll do it. Why? Because I believe it'll have long-term benefit. And I'm speaking from experience when I say the one thing, really, in the past two, three years, that has kept me moving forward and not just throwing in the towel, is knowing that God has placed in my heart this wonderful congregation whom it's my honor and privilege to serve. It's the people that I serve that keeps me going as a pastor. How can I lose heart? Man, how can I get really discouraged to the point of giving up when I'm blessed with such meaningful work as to sit with someone in ICU, as to perform a funeral for someone who has lost a loved one to sit with a couple and try to help them through their marital challenges to call a shut-in on the telephone spend five minutes and just pray with them it's people that we are called to serve that give us the energy to keep on keeping on we need to focus on Jesus friends and secondly Let's focus on those people who God has called us to serve. I know it's not, again, the popular message of the day. But, you know, Jesus never claimed to preach popular messages. He said, it's hard but take up your cross and follow me. The third thing this morning is fix your eyes on God's ongoing work in your life. God's not finished with you yet. Whether you're going through a wonderful time of blessings and you're on the mountaintop or you're going through a difficult time in the valley where it seems like God is nowhere to be found. God is working in your life. Romans 8.28, 8.29, those two verses, read them, stand on them, believe them, trust them. No matter what, God is taking all things and working together for your good and he is conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. He's working in us. Philippians Paul says another book that he wrote uh, he says God has begun a a work in you that he will finish. (laughs) That's so encouraging to me God is going to see his work in my life through to the very end. Now, it began when I received Christ at six years old at a vacation Bible school in Forks Assembly of God. That is when the work began, when I said, yes, I'll turn my life to Jesus. Man, it begins there, but it continually is a process See, we forget. Sometimes we see our experience with Jesus as a one-time event. We say, oh, yeah, I remember I I accepted the Lord then, or I was baptized then. No, it's not a one-shot deal. It is a lifelong process. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And there are times that we are fearful and we tremble and we say, God, where are you? But the Bible says we need to keep on moving forward knowing if we fix our eyes on God we're also fixing our eyes on the trust we have that he is working in our hearts and our life. It's a process. Work it out. Pastor Mike talked about that at our men's breakfast yesterday. Then I saw a quote that a a lady shared from Pierre Chardin. He's a, a French uh, Jesuit priest. I love this quote. He says, above all, trust in the slow work of God. It's not good. Now, we're evangelical. We're Pentecostals. We believe in miracles. I believe, and I've seen God do miraculous things instantaneously. I'm not taken away from that. But that doesn't mean that that's the way God always works. He doesn't always take away our problems and our pain. Sometimes he just walks with us through those things. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. That should be an encouragement to some of you today. And remember Paul's admonition in verse 1, through God's mercy. It's through his mercy that we have this ministry. Paul understood all along why he was a Christian. All along why he had been chosen to be an apostle. He knew why God had chosen him to be a church planter or a missionary, whatever, you know, more contemporary term you want to use. It wasn't because Paul was a great guy. He was far from it. Look at his life before he accepted Christ. And even after he accepted Christ, he said, I am the chief of all sinners. He understood that his life had significance only because he was a sinner transformed by the grace of God. That's why he writes, I have this ministry only because of God's mercy. Man, maybe you can look back at the person you used to be. And then you see who you are today. Now, maybe you aren't where you want to be, but I encourage you, look where God has brought you. None of us are perfect. (laughs) Man, but when you look back and see the changes God has made in your life, that should give you encouragement that whatever you're going through now, God is still working your salvation out. The victories you've won. Maybe the victory over a sin or the victory... Over a failure. Victory in the midst of a difficult battle. Because when you follow Jesus, victories just keep coming. That's why Paul talks about it. He says when we're hard pressed on every side, we're not crushed. We might be perplexed, but we're not in despair. That's kind of a, a way to describe 2021, isn't it? We're perplexed but we have no reason to be in despair there might be some who are persecuted but they have not been abandoned i've talked a lot recently about dietrich bonhoeffer quoted corrie ten boom a few weeks ago wow they were abandoned but they were never ever i mean they were persecuted And they were alone, but they were never, ever abandoned by the Lord. They were struck down by others, but they were never destroyed. It's amazing, friends, how some of our NFL quarterbacks can pull out such miraculous things at the last moment. I I was thinking about that recently. You know, Russell Wilson's one of those guys. They're opening up. I'm glad you're here in church instead of watching the Seahawks game today. I am. I, uh, but you, know, you look back, it's amazing. How many games the Seahawks been down? Two minutes to go. You know, we're down by 15 points, and there's seemingly no way for us to win, yet he pulls it off. And I think that's just a, a man with natural talents that he's developed but we serve a God that can do far above all that we can ask or think and in a way it's kind of how God works in our lives we face more than a few calls we've been at that position of fourth and two (laughs) we get knocked down we get up again Proverbs 24 says the righteous fall seven times but they rise again so I encourage you to rise again Man, whenever you're tempted to start waving the white flag and, and give up, take a look back and see what God has done for you. All that he's done to get you to this point and you'll be able to say, yeah, may, maybe there's been times I've been in my wit's in. Maybe there's been times that I, I've been disillusioned, but I have never had reason to lose hope. If you have your eyes focused on Jesus, if you have your eyes focused on those that you're called to serve instead of focusing in on yourself, if you have your eyes on what God is doing in your life, to the good times and the bad times, to the times that you understand and the times you don't understand, friends, it's going to be a lot easier to deal with the stuff we have to deal with here on this earth right now. Before you think about losing hope, focus on what God's done for you. The mercy he's shown to you through Jesus. And the protection he's given you. Focus on the promises. Verse 14 says, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus. John says it this way in 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. 1 John 3, 2, but we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. Each and every one of us here today can probably say, my life's been tough. We've all had tough times because life is tough. I mean, sometimes people's lives look easy from a distance, but man, they face just as many challenges as you, maybe in different ways. But if you're a follower of Christ, you can always look back and say, wow, look how far God has brought me. There's no way I'm turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm gonna keep my eyes focused on Jesus. No turning back. As I've said so many times, the way to have joy Focus on Jesus. Focus on others. And then be concerned about yourself. Jesus and others and you. Those are eternal unseen priorities. Live for Jesus, people. Serve others. And then think about yourself only in the context of what God is teaching you and doing in your life. If all you can see today... (laughs) Is what's going on around you. You'll see nothing but the problems and the futility of life. You won't see the treasure of God's plan for your life. But if you choose to see the unseen, which Paul is asking us to do today, see the unseen. If you look deep into the distance, if you'll fix and focus your vision on what matters most, Jesus serving others, and allowing the Holy Spirit in his life, in your life. It's going to be a lot easier when you have to look back at your computer screen, when you have to look back at that ballot, when you have to look at those election returns, when you have to look at the state of the economy, when you have to look at all those things. It's going to be a lot easier to deal with that because you focused on what's most important. I want to end with one statement, and then we're going to pray. The further ahead you can see, the greater will be your capacity to endure today. The further ahead you can see, and the Holy Spirit directed us to look way out to when Jesus comes back on that white horse. The greater our capacity will be to endure today. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just love this congregation, and I thank you for the opportunity to serve them. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to help all of us, including myself, to look into your word and get some really practical instructions for the day that we live in. Your word is alive. It's so applicable, even though it was written thousands of years ago. And Father, I thank you that your word is helping us to cope with what we're going to have to face tomorrow and this week and this month. And thank you, Lord, for this time-honored key that Paul has given us. Not to look at our current temporal difficulties, but to look up and to focus on Jesus and to remember that our ministry is others, not self-protection, not self-preservation, but others. And then, Lord, to realize that through it all, You are working out your perfect plan and purpose in our heart and our life. If you're here today or if you're watching on stream and you never accepted Christ as your Savior, you can do that today. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's a heart issue. Just to say, Lord, I need you. I thank you that you went to the cross and died for my sin. I surrender myself to you, to your care, to your goodness, and to your word. Help me to be obedient to your word. Help me to focus on you. Come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. We're here to help you. We've got Bibles, we've got some new believer material. But the important thing is at this moment, you make sure that your heart is surrendered to Jesus he'll save you now but he'll save you in the future because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords amen let's stand together friends help us to cling to you help us to be kind and gentle in this world in which we live in Jesus name amen let's stand and sing one more chorus before we're dismissed today